I'm Raven, wishing you a happy holiday if you celebrate, and a stress-free day of relaxation if you don't. Also, shout out to anybody working today like I am. We're continuing our Intersectional Insights Thanksgiving tradition, where we share four stories from Native American tribes honoring the people who first lived on and nurtured this land. This year's stories focus on sharing food with the community, plant mythology, and the importance of caring for the earth rather than just taking from it and using it. I will alternate readings from myself and Olivia and close with some thoughts from Native Americans who celebrate Thanksgiving today. Enjoy. How Bear Became Keeper of the Medicines, a Mi'kmaq oral tradition. And in this story, Mewen is the Mi'kmaq word for bear. In the beginning of time, people lived in harmony with the land. They lived in harmony with their brothers and sisters, the plants, trees, animals, insects, snakes, the fish, and the birds. The people realized that the plants and animals were of spirit and were placed here on Mother Earth to help them. The people were grateful for the help of the animals, the plants, trees, and for that they wanted to honor them. One day, they heard a beautiful song from a bird, and they became aware how this tiny creature made them feel. They wanted to sing in return to make the spirit of the animals feel as they did when they heard the songs of the birds. And so they asked for songs from the spirits to sing to their brothers and their sisters, the animals, plants, fish. Songs came to the people, songs to be sung to the spirit of the eagle, the spirit of the tree, the spirit of the water, songs for all of their relations. One day, Muin was in the forest, and he heard one of these songs being sung by the people. The song was being sung in his honor, and their voices were carried by the wind into the forest. When Muin heard this beautiful song, he felt honored and respected. He went to the edge of a clearing in the forest and saw that the people were in ceremony. As he watched and listened, he saw the people making offerings to his spirit, and he heard the kind words that the people spoke of him. They referred to him as brother, Then he heard the people ask him for medicines to help them. At that moment, Muin realized that he must make a journey for the people and bring back medicines for them. All summer long, he ate and ate, preparing for his task. Finally, when fall came, he knew it was time. He sought out a lodge where his physical form would be safe while his spirit traveled. As he approached his lodge, he looked back on the world as he knew he would be gone for several moons. Finally, with the words, quote, all my relations, He entered his lodge, and so the spirit of Muin began its quest into the spirit world. As he journeyed, he collected the medicines which the people had asked for. He sat in council with the spirits of the plant people and requested from them the medicines for the people. The plants agreed to give their medicines as long as Muin would cultivate and fertilize the land for them so that they would continue to come back year after year. Muin agreed to do this. Finally, after many moons, Muin's journey was coming to an end. He wanted to let the people know that he would soon be returning, so his spirit found a woman of the bear clan who was praying in the sweat lodge. Muin came to that woman and spoke to her. From this day forward, you will be known as Muin Isqua, the bear woman. I have a request for you. I am soon returning to my physical form as I have completed my spirit journey. Would you be so kind as to prepare a feast for me as I am weak? The woman knew that when a spirit requested something from a human, it was to be done. Muin Isqua listened to Muin's request as to how the feast would be prepared and what ceremonies would be involved. Then she took the request to the people. She told them of her vision in the lodge and shared with the people the details of Muin's request. The people were happy and immediately began preparations for the feast. Muin Isqua told of the berries which Muin asked for. 
She said that Muon wanted the berries which he feasted on throughout the year, and he wanted to honor the spirit of the plants which provided him this food, as they also provided the food for the people. And so it was. People brought berries which were dried and stored over the winter. Strawberries, which were the first berry in the spring. Blueberries, fruit of summer. Blackberries from the fall. And cranberries gathered in early winter. Then the men went out to their weirs and gathered fish to be included in the feast. Four days after the bear spirit spoke to Muanisqua, the appointed day for the feast for the bear arrived. The berries and the fish were all prepared by Muanisqua, and more food was prepared by the women. As the people sit in a sacred circle, the ceremony began with the lighting of the sacred pipe. And as the pipe was shared with the people, a story was told. The story told of why we must always honor the bear spirit. In the fall of the year, we honor him for his long fast and the journey he is about to make into the spirit world for medicines for the people. In the spring, we honor the bear for the medicines he brings back from his long journey. In both ceremonies, a woman of the bear clan prepares the feast for the bear. And in both ceremonies, a song is sung to honor Muin. And so, it continues to this day. Muin tills and fertilizes the ground to help plants grow. And during the long, cold winter, he journeys to the spirit realm to seek medicines for the people. And each year, in the fall and the spring, native people gather together for a feast in his honor. Native Americans were very resourceful and found many ways to use the plants and herbs in their environment. One such plant was bloodroot. Bloodroot, also known as bloodwort or Canada pucone, is a white flower native to the eastern part of North America. Pucone is one of the many American plant names to have a Native American etymology. It comes from the Powhatan Indian word puh, one, or pokuns. It was recorded by early Virginia colonists as meaning red paint or red dye. Both this Indian name and the English name bloodroot come about because of the red sap oozed by the roots of these flowers, which was used by many tribes as a dye for clothing and baskets and for face paint. Bloodroot has also been used by Native American people as a poison. The bloodroot plant is highly toxic and in small doses as a medicine herb. In some Algonquin communities, bloodroot is associated with love and men would wear bloodroot paint while they went courting. Turkey makes the corn and coyote plants it. An Apache legend. Long ago, when all the animals talked like people, Turkey overheard a boy begging his sister for food. What does your little brother want? He asked the girl. He's hungry, but we have nothing to eat, she said. When Turkey heard this, he shook himself all over. Many kinds of fruits and wild food dropped out of his body, and the brother and sister ate these up. Turkey shook himself again, and a variety of corn that is very large dropped out of his feathers. He shook himself a third time, and yellow corn dropped out. And when he shook himself for the fourth time, white corn dropped out. Bear came over and Turkey told him, I'm helping to feed my sister and my brother over there. Bear said, you can shake only four times to make food come out of you. But I have every kind of food on me from my feet to my head. Bear shook himself and out of his fur dropped juniper berries. 
He shook himself again and out dropped a cactus that is good to eat. Then he shook out acorns, then another kind of cactus, then gamble oak acorns, then blue oak acorns, pinion nuts, a species of sumac, then manzanita berries, wild mulberries, then cigarro fruit. Turkey said to the boy and girl, I have four kinds of corn seeds here for you, and this is a good place to plant them. The sister and the brother cut digging sticks and made holes with them. In the holes, they planted all their corn seeds. The next day, the corn had already come up and was about a foot and a half high. The girl said, We still have some squash seeds here. So they planted them too. The boy and girl asked Turkey for more corn seed. The corn is coming up nicely, they said, so we want to make another farm and plant more corn there. Turkey gave them the seed, and they left him to look after their first fields while they started off to make the other farm. When they came back, they heard Turkey hollering at the cornfield. They ran down there and saw him dragging one wing along the ground on the side toward them. There were snakes on the other side of him, and he pretended to have a broken wing to lure the snakes away and shield the boy and girl. The squash plants had young squash on them, and the corn had grown tall and formed ears and tassels. The tassels had pollen in them, and the snakes had come to gather the pollen out of the corn plants. Turkey told the boy and the girl to stay away from the corn for four days when the snakes would be finished. At the end of the four days, the corn was ripe. Turkey told them, This will be the only time when the corn will come up in four days. From now on, it will take quite a while. And it does. By now, the brother and sister had planted corn three times, and they gave seeds to other people. Then Slim Coyote came and asked for some. The corn you planted is growing well, and the ears are coming out on it, he said. I'd like to have some seeds to plant for myself. Coyote would have to do lots of work if he wanted to raise his corn. But that wasn't his plan. These other people here plant their corn, and after it's grown, they have to cook it. Me? I am not going to do it that way. I'll cook my corn first, and then plant it, so I won't have to bother to cook it when it's ripe. Here's where Coyote made a big mistake. He cooked his corn, ate some, planted quite a patch of the rest of it. He felt pretty good about it. Now I've done well for myself. You people have to cook your corn after you plant it, but mine will be already cooked, he said. After planting, he went off with the rest of the people to gather acorns. But when they returned to their fields, coyotes had nothing growing on it at all. He said angrily, You people must have taken the hearts out of the corn seeds you gave to me. No, we didn't do that, they told him. But you cooked the heart out of them before you planted. Coyote asked for more seeds and planted them the right way this time. So his corn grew. The day after he planted it, it was up about a foot and a half. He felt good. The people who had planted their corn at the beginning were harvesting now and tying it up into bundles. Coyote saw these and wanted some. People got mad at Coyote because he was always asking them for corn. I just want some green ears to feed my children, he would say. As soon as my corn is ripe, I'll pay you back. The other people had all their corn in and stripped now, but their squashes were still growing in the field. Coyote stole their squash, and the people all came to his camp. They wanted to know if he was the one who was stealing their squash. Coyote pretended to get angry. You're always blaming me for stealing everything. There are lots of camps over there. Why do you choose mine to come to with your accusations? But the people knew about Coyote's thieving ways. From now on, don't make your farm near us. Move away and live someplace else, they said. All right, there are several of you that I was going to repay with corn. But I won't do it now that you've treated me this way, he said. So Coyote's family lived poorly and they never bothered to cook anything before they ate it.
Coyote builds Willamette Falls and the Magic Fish Trap, a legend from the Clackamas Chinook. Coyote came to a place near Oregon City and found the people there very hungry. The river was full of salmon, but they had no way to spear them in the deep water. Coyote decided he would build a big waterfall so that the salmon would come to the surface for spearing. Then he would build a fish trap there too. First, he tried at the mouth of Pudding River, but it was no good and all he made was a gravel bar there. So he went on down the river to Rock Island and it was better, but after making the rapids there, he gave up again and went farther down still. Where the Willamette Falls are now, he found just the right place and he made the falls high and wide. All the Indians came down and began to fish. Now Coyote made his magic trap. He made it so it would speak and say no when it was full. Because he was pretty hungry, Coyote decided to try it first himself. He set the trap by the falls and then ran back up to the shore to prepare to make a cooking fire. But he had only begun when the trap called out no He hurried back Indeed, the trap was full of salmon. Running back with them, he started his fire again, but again the fish trap cried out, No seepsk, no seepsk. He went again and found the trap full of salmon. Again he ran to the shore with them. Again he had hardly gotten to his fire when the trap called out, No seepsk, no seepsk. It happened again and again. The fifth time, Coyote became angry and said to the trap, What? Can't you wait with your fish catching until I've built a fire? The trap was very offended by Coyote's impatience and stopped working right then. So after that, the people had to spear their salmon as best they could. I'm going to share the thoughts of five different Native Americans who celebrate or acknowledge Thanksgiving. I'll link to the article in Smithsonian Magazine where I grabbed the following quotes from. And just a note, the authors of these quotes are identified only by locations in the U.S. St. Louis, Missouri. We give thanks for our family and friends. Give thanks for the meal, our foods which we grew on our lands, fed the starving pilgrims who had no clue about our foods, lands, etc. Sarah Lund, Alabama. My family likes to gather, share food, and give thanks without it being an actual holiday. It's just what we enjoy doing as Native people. On the last Thursday of November, you will find us at some type of powwow or Native social gathering. I like to think that publicly displaying the things that real Indians do helps to debunk some of the myths that are out there about us. So we do have our traditions for Thanksgiving, but I'm not sure that they would be considered celebrating the holiday. Minneapolis, Minnesota. Maybe we celebrate after all that has happened to our Native people, that we are still here. We still have our songs and dances, our ceremonies that make us who we are. Carnegie, Oklahoma. Every day is Thanksgiving Day for me, but especially in Vietnam in 1966 and when I got home in 1967. No matter why the holiday was created or who celebrates it, it's an American holiday of thanks and feasting. At the Carnegie Red Buffalo Hall, an elder Thanksgiving meal is available to those 60 and over at the Kiowa Complex. It is a time for prayer, singing, and reflecting on those who have gone on 
and those far off who can't come home. Wisconsin Dells, my family is full of gratitude for all our Heavenly Father blesses us with. I remember when I was a young girl traveling to be together with all the relatives. Deer hunting was a huge family event, and the meal was prepared with prayers and love. I learned the history of Thanksgiving. I acknowledge the negative events surrounding that time in history. However, Thanksgiving continues to be a time of family, prayers, and love. We must move forward. We continue to teach the entire story of our indigenous people of this continent. Speak truth. The day and all days are about togetherness and heartfelt gratitude for all that our Heavenly Father blesses us with. Spirituality, health, love, and compassion. That concludes this special episode. I hope you enjoyed the stories and enjoy the day however you decide to spend it. Let us know your thoughts on social media or email I squared, I-S-Q-U-A-R-E-D, hello at gmail.com. We appreciate you for listening.